Okay, you guys, we are back for another episode of On the Legal Tip. I am one of your co-hosts, Natalie Griggs, and here with me we have... Not that high-pitched voice. Okay, um, this week's episode is a continuation of our criminal law and procedure series. Um, so today, some of the fun things that we're going to speak about are bail and bonds, uh, preliminary hearings, grand juries, indictments, arrangements, all that fun stuff. Um, so we're basically going to kind of, you know, keep up the typical pace. One of us is going to start. We're going to bounce ideas off of each other. So I've been elected to start talking <laughs> about bonds and bails. So um, at the end of last week's episode, you heard we kind of stop at a person being arrested, right? And again, most important um, takeaway from the episode, exercise your right to shut up. So when we get to bails and bonds, this is after a person has been arrested. Usually this is when you have spoken to an attorney or when an attorney comes to speak to you, um, either a public defender or a private attorney. The bond and or bail hearing, what they are trying to prove at that hearing is not whether or not you did anything, whether or not you have a defense. That is not what we are there for. You are not there to be put on trial. The bond hearing is just a matter of whether or not you shall be released during the pendency of your case or whether you will remain incarcerated in the jail while you are awaiting to be heard for your trial and or waiting for to take a plea. At bond or bail, the key factors that need to be discussed are the severity of the alleged crime, um, whether you are a danger to society, whether you are a flight risk. So for instance, um, say you allegedly committed a crime in a state in which you do not live, right? They are likely, they're going to be less likely to want you to leave because it will be harder for them to get you back to answer for this case. Um, so in those situations, your bond or bail might be a little bit higher. If you are there for a very serious reason, say murder, you are less likely to get out on bond or bail. One is basically money attached to the case um, in order to kind of secure you coming back to be heard for your alleged crime. The other is when people put up property. So that's kind of the difference there. Along with the flight risk, other things they look into are kind of your ties to the community, whether or not you are you know, employed in that area, how long you've lived there, if you have family and friends in the area, how likely you are to be back. Um, other thing they look at is criminal history that I was completely about to forget about, <laughs> um, criminal history. And so for instance, if it's your first time being arrested, unless it's for something crazy, you are more likely to get out on bond or bail. If you get arrested every other week and this is your fifth <laughs> probation violation, to be honest, you probably need to be where you at. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to be you honest, need to time out. You, you need to stop it. Um, and you're probably going to have to sit there and think about what you did for a while and you need to stop doing things. And there are also different types of bonds. Um, there's the most common bond is a recognizance bond. Mm -hmm. That's where you don't have to pay any money to get out. So you can just sign on your own recognizance. And that just I basically means... You are a decent enough person mm -hmm. and they believe that your signature is like, like how they say word is bond. Yes. I'm giving you my word that but I'm coming that. back. And that is the bond. Yes. Okay. And, and I think the state of Georgia has changed the name to an unsecured judicial release. 
Then there's monetary bonds. And so with monetary bonds, it could either be a cash bond or a surety bond. With a cash bond, if they say your bond is $5,000, you're paying $5,000. But if it's a surety bond, you're likely paying, um, well, no, now in the state of Georgia, it's 12 to 15%, depending on where you go. So you could end up paying for a $5,000 bond, about $650 to a bonding company. But like Natalie said, if you are from out of state, most of the time, even if they give you a surety bond, out-of-staters end up paying a little bit more just because you're from out-of-state. So, you know, if you are going to commit a crime, commit a crime in the state where you live. I mean, preferably do it locally. Do it yeah. in the county where you live and everything good stuff. You right. Know. But if you go like if you go to Vegas and you commit a crime in Vegas, mm, okay. So, yeah. So, those are, that's another type of bond. And then, of course, there's the property bond, like Natalie said, where your mom puts her house up. Don't ever do that, that y'all. That you come back to court. So, and then also, at least also in the state of Georgia... You, it's between 48 to 72 hours when you're supposed to be brought before a judge. So 48 hours if there's no warrant, 72 hours if there is a warrant. Now there's, and that's for your what they call a first appearance. And with the first appearance, they're just telling you, hey, this is what you've been arrested for. They're not asking for your side of the story. They can issue out a bond. But there are certain cases where you cannot get a bond at your first mm-hmm. appearance. You may have to wait for two weeks. So um, we'd like to call them the seven deadlies, murder, um, armed robbery, your second aggravated assault, your second burglary, or any combination of aggravated assault and a burglary, um, a trafficking of drugs. And funny enough, if you are trafficking a person, you can get a bond immediately, which is crazy to me, but whatever. Um, so there are certain crimes where you would have to wait a little bit longer in order to get a bond. So when you so think about that, right? If you are if your plan is to commit a crime, think about that. If you want to spend two weeks in in in, in jail before you are even heard for a bond hearing, go ahead. There are levels to this, guys. There yeah. are levels to this. So if not, you know, you're gonna do something, do something little. Don't do it, don't commit any crimes, but just understand that there are certain cases where you're not given a bond immediately. Some cases where you have to wait a little bit longer. Um, but after your bond hearing. You have something that we like to call a preliminary hearing. A preliminary hearing is what they, it's kind of like a, it's, it's where it's not an, it's a, it's a probable cause hearing. What happens at a preliminary hearing, you're not taking the stand. Please don't ever, ever take the stand. The only person that's taking the stand is the arresting officer, right? Or whoever the detective is on the case. And what they're doing is literally they're coming up there and testifying to the court as to why they arrested you. They're literally reading your um, your police report. A probable cause hearing is such a low, low, low burden. It does not take much because what they're trying to figure out, they're not trying to figure out whether or not you were the person who committed, like, you, you know, you did the thing or not. They're trying to figure out if they had enough reason to arrest you. Did somebody call the cops and say you did it? Yes, that's enough reason. Did they see you coming out of the place and you look suspicious? Sure. So I've had cases where um, we've had cases dismissed at probable cause hearings because the officer did not have the probable cause. Obviously, for instance, the gentleman was charged with armed robbery. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. So it was like the middle of the day. And the officer said he was wearing all black and he matched the description, so he got arrested. But then I pull up the um, his arrest report, and he's not wearing black. He's wearing, like, gray or something, and it's not even a dark gray. It was like, there's no way that you would confuse gray and black in the middle of the day. So clearly you had the wrong person. The description did not match that person, so there was no probable cause. The case got dismissed. 
But even though the case got dismissed, that did not mean the state could not still pick it up, right? The state could still go back and do more investigations and say, oh, no, we still have enough information to move forward with this case. So it's very, so there's a, there are chances where your case can be dismissed at a preliminary hearing. It doesn't happen often, but there are chances where that could happen. As I said, at a preliminary hearing, you are not testifying. It's literally just the officer testifying as to why they arrested you. It's such a low burden, such a low burden. So don't be mad when the judge says, yes, we're going to bind this case up to superior court or district court or whatever the felony court is in your area, whatever they call that. Um, but in the state of Georgia, also your preliminary hearing is a second chance at bond. You are entitled to a preliminary hearing if you are still in, in custody. If you are no longer in custody, like if you had a bond hearing before, usually a prelims are about two weeks after your bond hearing. So if you had a bond hearing 72 hours after you got arrested and you get out on bond, they take your preliminary hearing off the calendar in the state here in Georgia, right? They take it off the calendar. You then have to request it, okay? Because it's such a low burden, most of the times the people are out of custody they won't request the preliminary hearing unless maybe they want to modify the bond condition. Like if the bond condition says for them not to return somewhere or talk to somebody, then they can do that. Um, but if you are in custody, you are entitled to that preliminary hearing and your attorney uses that preliminary hearing to get information because at that preliminary hearing, the rules of evidence really don't apply as much um, because you're just, it's the officer is literally just testifying to hearsay. So you can ask the officer whatever it is you want. What, what defense attorneys do at preliminary hearings is they try to get as much information, right? They want to know, did, was body cam on? Great. Was dash cam on? Cool. Did somebody take a statement? Did you have witnesses? Because they know they need to know how they need to go about investigating. So what defense attorneys do, they kind of use it as a fishing expedition to kind of get as much information as possible. So it's not a trial. Um, your attorney is not doing a terrible job just because you don't get your case dismissed at that time. It's very rare that that happens. And also, I know you mentioned trying to get evidence or know what evidence to go after, specifically after preliminary hearing. The other thing is, is to kind of see if the police are going to change their story later mm -hmm. on. So it is helpful to kind of have those type of hearings because I can always say, hey, you know, at trial, you're telling me that he was wearing, you know, baby blue. But I could have sworn we already had this conversation and you said he was wearing bright red. Mm -hmm. You know, which one is it? So kind of the more questions they ask at that preliminary hearing, kind of the better. Yeah. And it, also, like, it goes to the credibility of the officer. So um, after your preliminary hearing, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of different things that can happen after. So you could have um, other bond hearings. But what happens then is you, if you are charged with a certain type of felony, right, um, your case has to be indicted by a grand jury for it to be for it to move up. So, for instance, once you get arrested, it's not your case hasn't been indicted. You're it's there. They haven't brought formal charges yet. They've just been like, hey, we're arresting you for this. But they haven't done the formal work. They have an arrest warrant, but they haven't done formal charges yet. Formal charges is when your case gets indicted. So I know a lot of you have heard about grand juries, especially now with the um, with all. Lord, with all these politicians and all this criminal stuff that they're doing, like they're going to grand juries and everything. What happened? What a grand jury is? It's a group of I don't remember. I don't remember how many. It's like 20, 23, 20 some people. I think I never been in there, so it's about <laughs> twenty some people. Um, they are in the room, and really, what it is is the district attorney is trying to convince 
the grand jury that they have enough information to move forward. Not that they have enough information to win. Okay. They don't have to have enough to win the case because in the in grand jury rules of evidence does not apply. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hearsay. So all they're trying to say is like, Hey, we have enough information to pursue this. We have enough information to present it to a jury for a jury to make the decision. We don't, they're not saying that we're going to win. So the grand jury hears all of the evidence that the district attorney has. So they can call people to testify before a grand jury. They can call officers. They can call witnesses. They can call victims to testify. And there's nobody there to cross-examine them or anything. It's just go. And just to kind of explain some of those words really quickly, Mm -hmm. I know people hear the word hearsay all the time. Hearsay is just literally like an out-of-court statement that someone says in court in is alleging that is true, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and then cross-examination is kind of, for instance, if Eckup's the prosecutor. Sure. <laughs> if Eckup's the prosecutor <laughs> and she asks, you know, my client a question and, no, Eckup's prosecutor, she asks a witness a question mm-hmm. and I'm the defense attorney and I then ask the same person a question about what they answered, if that makes sense. So I'm going back again, circling back to kind of see if they're lying. So I'm testing their credibility. That's what cross-examination is. So during grand juries, there's no one there for that. So it's very easy because the district attorney, everyone who's testifying is their witness. Mm -hmm. So they, if they're doing their job properly, would have prepped them on what to say, how to say it, because they want the grand jury to to give an indictment. I believe... And I will stand 10 toes on this. If a district attorney wants an indictment, a district attorney is going to get the indictment. They can indict a fly if they so want to. So that's why with the Mike Brown situation from 2013, 13, 14, 13, 14. with what's his name? Darren, what, what, whatever his last name was. We don't need his name. And I'm still mad about it. They're like, oh, the grand. No, no, no. If you wanted an indictment, you can get one because it is literally the district attorney, their witnesses, and a grand jury. The rules of evidence does not apply. They are just literally I saying, can say anything I want in that grand that, jury. Exactly. Versus if it were actually in a full hearing, okay, maybe she can't say that. Maybe right. she can't pull out that piece of paper. Because in a full hearing where opposing counsel is present, opposing counsel can object. Opposing counsel can challenge credibility. Opposing counsel can challenge the evidence. Opposing counsel can do a lot of things to sway, to, to convince the jury not to listen or to convince the judge not to allow something come in. But in a grant with a grand jury hearing, it is what it is, right? And, and also in the grand jury, um, okay, this is gonna I'm a real nerd, y'all. I don't know if any of you watch American crime stories. Um, but anyway, in part of the grand jury, what you will notice is you don't have a right to attorney within the hearing. So for instance, say I don't know, with all this Trump stuff, say somebody is requesting to speak to Trump. They want a grand jury. They want him to be a witness, right? His attorney is not going on there with him. You know why? Because again, rules of evidence don't apply. Mm -hmm. I can't say I object to this question. It's hearsay. So what? No one cares. Um, So that's something that's very important because if you are testifying before a grand jury and somehow it later flips on you, what you need to make sure is you exercise your rights. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Fifth Amendment, Learn it, stick to it. Fifth Amendment basically says, I I do not want to answer the question because answering the question may or may not incriminate me, right? You have a right to not incriminate yourself. 
And it's really important for things like, you know, if there is a grand jury and you are sent to testify because there's no one there to kind of protect you and have your back, Mm -hmm. it's really important that you don't do anything that puts you in a deeper hole that you have to then later call yourself out of. Right. And then also, if you're the one charged with the offense, they're not going to call you to testify during the grand jury because that would violate um, your rights protected under the Fifth Amendment and also the Sixth Amendment as well. Right. But if if there's a situation where they are looking for you to testify against someone that you know, and mm-hmm. then somehow you can bring yourself in, that's kind of what what's more the issue there. Yeah. So some cases, some like like I said, felonies need to be indicted. Some felonies, right, need to be indicted through a grand jury. Those those serious felonies, your aggravated assaults, your burglaries, your armed robberies. Um, murders, obviously, your kidnapping, trafficking of people and or of drugs, um, those type of big felonies need to be accused, I mean, need to be indicted, meaning the grand jury needs to say, yes, you have enough information to go ahead and prosecute this case. Some other felonies, theft by taking, theft by shoplifting, those ones are can be accused, meaning the prosecutor, either the district attorney or the solicitor can simply just draft up the accusation saying on this date, so so and so person committed the act of theft by shoplifting, violating this code, um, this Georgia code or South Carolina code or New Jersey code or whatever, when they did so so and so and just sign it, bam, and the case has been accused. So little stuff like that, like um, misdemeanors and little felonies, they can just accuse, they don't have to go through the whole hoopla of getting a grand jury because you don't need a grant, you don't need 23 people to say, I want to charge this person with theft by shoplifting. Like, bro, they're there are other things that we can be talking about. There are other things I can be spending money on. Yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. So so that's the difference between an accusation and an indictment. So an accusation, the prosecutor can just draft it up themselves. They don't need 23 people to sign off on it. Whereas with the um, an indictment, they need 23 people to sign off on it to say, yes, you can move forward with this. I'm just making sure it's 23 because I feel like it is, but oh, 16, 16 to 23. I was like, I think it could differ. Boom. Yeah. So we know 23 is the max. So I was just like, let me yeah. make sure because, you know, again, we don't know where you're listening from and we don't want you to go and say, well, you're supposed to have this many and it's really not. So 23 is the max. We were right about that. And then also, like, also, too, it's whatever we're saying, you have to go back and check what the specific this, mm, words, English, what it is specifically in your jurisdiction. Like I said, I practice in the state of Georgia, so that's why I'm always referring to Georgia, because I know Georgia, I am in Georgia, I do Georgia. Um, and also the processes and procedures differ from state to state as well. Um, so again, kind of take this as an overview. This is not personalized legal advice. This is just explaining um, and what we call like demystifying certain policies and procedures and laws and kind of letting people know what a general idea would be if they find themselves in these situations. Okay. So you have not, your case has now been accused and or indicted. They say you have, they have enough information to prosecute. Now time to talk about the arraignment. Take it away, Natalie. Isn't that fun? (laughs) So, okay. So basically people typically seeing the arraignment is usually when a person in certain places is called kind of like an initial appearance, but it depends on state. And basically that is when you are given the opportunity to either plea or say that you're going to take it to trial, right? So that's typically what you see when they say, you know, you've been charged with violating Georgia code, whatever the number is, blah, 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 blah. On this date, you did this, this, and that, allegedly. You know, how do you plea? Mm -hmm. And you always can say not guilty because, again, 
it is the state's job to prove that the crime was committed by you, right? You don't have to say anything. Let them prove their case. Or if you know it's a lot of stuff that's going to come out <laughs> and you know you did it and, you know, it's just going to not, it's going to get worse for you, you could plea. Not saying you should, but you could at that stage. Um, and there are a number of different types of pleas. There is guilty plea, basically saying, yeah, I did it and what. Um, there are other pleas called down here called nolo contendere. Um, in certain certain places, they yeah, I was gonna say in certain places they allow Alfred pleas, and usually those are kind of like more. I am agreeing that there is some evidence, but I'm not fully saying I did whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, like at your arraignment, by the by the time you get to an arraignment, you've spoken to. An attorney, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hopefully, you would have spoken to an attorney. And they should have weighed your case. They, yes. So you should have at least spoken to an attorney. Attorney should have um, discovery because at this time, your case has been indicted. Once your case has been indicted, the state has to provide um, your attorney with discovery. So what if your attorney doesn't already have it, the police report, 911 call, body cam, if it's available, witness testimony, uh, witness statements, not testimony, witness statements, or whatever evidence that the state has in your position that they already, um, that they plan on using um, for your for your case. So by the time you get to your arraignment date, hopefully your attorney has that information and they've gone over it with you. I know that when we go to court, um, when I used to go to the jail, people are like, I didn't see my discovery packet. Well, I can't show you your discovery packet yet, honey, because your case hasn't been indicted. I ain't got it. Um, so by the time your case gets indicted, your attorney should be given that information. And if they don't have it, they can always file a motion to compel to uh, pretty much what it is, is to tell the court, hey, this case has been indicted. It's been this long. The state has not provided me with discovery. We need discovery so we can properly advise the client. So at that time, that's when you can, you know, you get advised. At the end of the day, it's up to you to make the decision of what you want to do. If you want to go to trial, if you don't, your attorney's job is not to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. Your attorney's job is not to tell you what they will do. If they were in that situation, your attorney's job is not to give you any, um, any like um, guarantees, right? What your attorney's job is, is to give you the option saying, hey, this is what they have on you, right? Um, this is if, what they're willing to offer. This is what they're you. willing to offer, right? This is the plea, this is the plea deal. If you want to take a plea, I can talk to them about this. Or if you want to go to trial, these are these are the things that we have. Maybe these are these are our strong points, these are some of our weaknesses, these are things that we're gonna to have to overcome, right? And they're supposed to just present all that information to you, and it's your responsibility. You make the decision what you want to do. I know a lot of people ask the lawyer, well, what would you do? I can't tell you what I would do because I'm not you. And also something else that they should be doing at that stage. Um, I know we used to have that issue sometime in Maryland. They should be giving the kind of like the rundown of the person's criminal history. Mm -hmm. Right. Because one thing that as, as Echo was saying a lot of times, like, you know, we do practice in Georgia because we are in Georgia. I don't always know if you got arrested in Wyoming. Right. right? I don't know about that. Um, I know kind of what's happening here around our area. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happened your plea here could affect you in another state, right? Mm -hmm. What if you're on probation somewhere? Um, what if you have another pending case? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of there to kind of give you the total, kind of the total look from all sides. You know, this is what you could be facing. This is what you could have to pay. Mm -hmm. This is what you might have to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this could, 
throw these other charges out and you might want those other charges thrown out because right. it gets worse from here. Then, you know, you're saying you didn't do it, but we got proof and you said that you did it before. So now it's a credibility issue. So they're basically there to kind of give you the rundown. And again, like I could say, it is your final, final decision on please, uh, final decision on trial. We're going to talk about trial in a different episode um, and kind of like what, I don't say what rights you have, but what things. Hmm? Okay. Yeah. Oh, just kidding. It's the end of this yeah. episode. So, yeah, um, going into if you decide that you're arraignment that you do not want to take a plea and you want to go to trial, then um, your attorney can file motions on your behalf, whether it's to challenge the stop, the search. And that's why we say don't say anything, because if you, if once you get stopped and you don't consent and you don't say anything, it makes it a little bit harder. Right. So your attorney, so your attorney can challenge the stop, the search. They can file motions to compel, to strike off witnesses, things of things of that nature. Um, when it comes down to your trial, you can have um, you're entitled to a, a a trial by jury if you should so choose, or you can have a bench trial. A jury trial is where you have people, a group of your peers to pretty much be the allegedly <laughs> yes elect your peers to be the fact finder so in the state of georgia in our state court it could be six people for criminal matters or in felony court 12 people and those people all they are there to do is listen to the facts and determine whether or not whose side they believe they are not there to determine what the law is they're not there to determine what your sentence would be should you be found guilty that is the judge's job so no more people like well if we have a jury what's the point of the judge the judge is there to determine the matter to rule on the um issues of law motions and so, the sentencing and also like if there's an objection being made so let's say there's a question being asked and the answer calls for hearsay opposing counsel can object it calls for hearsay if you're asking ridiculous questions, they can object as to the relevance of that question. If Meaning, they're badgering you and being rude. Yeah, what's the point of all this? And then the judge has to decide based on the operation of law is what is what opposing counsel doing correct, right? Legally, can they do that thing? And your job and the jury's job is just to listen and pretty much decide whose side they believe. Mm -hmm. And after, at the end, for um, criminal cases, I know in the state of Georgia, it needs to be a unanimous decision. Everybody has to agree that they did the thing or they did not do the thing, right? If not, then we have a hung jury and we may have to retry this thing again. So if you're ever on a jury, please, God, everyone come to, <laughs> come, come to one accord so we can move this thing along. And the other thing is, go to jury duty. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm, talk, I'm talking to us. We know who we are. Mm -hmm. um, again, we can't complain about juries not being representative of the community and of the defendant if we try to refuse to go. Um, we need different and diverse voices on those juries, mm -hmm. um, specifically in states like Georgia, where it does have to be unanimous. Mm -hmm. In other states, I think, I want to say Louisiana, some states don't have to be unanimous, which mm -hmm. is, to me, problematic, but, you know, I don't get a lot of say, so mm -hmm. there's that. Yeah, so it's very important um, for you to go to jury duty. It's so interesting to kind of see people when they're being selected for jury duty because people's perspectives are different. Really quickly before the show ends, um, I do note that when I was doing, I had I had a trial one time and I could see the jury believing everything the prosecutor said, everything they said up until I took the, like, it was my turn to, you know, present my case or whatever. And um, at the end of it, I asked, they ended up ruling in favor of my client. So my client got to go home, thank God. Um, but it was like to ask, you get to talk to jurors afterwards and ask them, okay, well, why did you decide that way? Like what made you, 
um, change your mind or say this or whatever. And it helps it helps attorneys to to be better so that mm -hmm. we know what's going on. We know how to plead. I mean, how to move about. Um, but one more thing I wanted to say before we close is reiterate the fact that as a defendant, it is not your job to prove your innocence. So you don't have to present you don't have to present witnesses. You don't have to present a case at all. Once the state presents your case, it can be done. It can be done. If you if your attorney has decided that, yes, we do have witnesses. That, I mean, if you like if you're, you you spoke with your attorney, they're like, yes, there are witnesses that can help us that can help us. Then, yes, you can put, present a case. But by law, you don't have to because it's not the burden is not on you. And also, last, last thing, if you ever have been um, charged with a crime, you do not have to testify on your own behalf. If you want to testify, that's something that you would want to talk with your attorney about to see if you present well. 90% um, of the time we say no, <laughs> because you don't want to be subject to cross-examination, especially if your criminal history is not that great, um, because they can bring up your felony criminal history. So that's just really quick. I feel like we need to do a, a longer episode. On yeah, I was going to say, I thought that we were going to cut that one because mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's a lot. Um, so we're going to probably have a part two, guys. I yes. know you guys love our voice. Um, <laughs> I was going to say specifically like with testifying at your own mm -hmm. trial, kind of what Eckert was saying as far as cross-examination goes, not just criminal history. Um, as we were talking before, there are certain statements that can't get in. Certain times they need you there to say mm -hmm. this person did, did or said X, Y, Z. Um, we, we don't want to make it easier for the other side. Right. Let's just talk about that. Like if you, this is your fourth time that you have hit on your baby mama, they don't need to know about the first three times, right? And the, the more that you get up there and allow yourself to kind of be, I don't want to say just like belittled and berated, but allow your, your background to come up, the more problematic it's going to be, right? Right. Um, we don't need the jury to hear that you have done this 12,000 times. Absolutely. We don't need them to hear that. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have another, we're going to do a part two of this. Um, so probably for like next week's episode, we'll do a part two. Sounds so good. you guys can have that, but, um, continue to listen, continue to subscribe wherever you can. I know with Apple, Apple, you can't subscribe, Spotify, you can't subscribe. And if you have any questions, hit us up. On the legal tip. On the legal tip. Bye. Bye.